sportinglife.com. Expert insight, passionate opinion, and in-depth analysis for the sports you love. All for free. Well, welcome along to the Sporting Life Racing Podcast. It's finally arrived at the Kazoo Derby Festival and joining us to preview it are Ed Chamberlain, Graeme Cunningham, Matt Blocklebank, David Johnson and Billy Nash. It's a bumper panel for a bumper weekend of racing. And, and Ed, I'd imagine when you get your calendar out at the, the start of the year, your diary, it's one of, one of the first weekends you look out for Derby weekend. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's a big one, especially big this year with it being platinum jubilee year and what an opportunity for the race and the race course and i think the jockey club have done a terrific job and hopefully on saturday it'll just be a sea of people and union jacks the challenge at the moment already is not knowing quite how it's going to play out there's still no official word about whether her majesty the queen will be there on saturday so with itv at the moment we're working on about plan f and trying to cover every scenario and it'd be great if she is there. It sounds like she probably won't be if the press is to be believed. Um, Steve Cawthon, you'll be delighted to hear, he's on his way over. So he's definitely going to be know. there. I know, I know. I spoke to Steve, yeah. He'll yeah. have WhatsApp to you before he left, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Murta nice. is definitely coming. Whether he'll be in the right attire on the day, I'm not quite sure. And we'll just have to see how it goes. At the moment, on Saturday, I'm coming on air with my three pundits, Jason, uh, Steve Cawthon and Johnny Murta, in the lineup of the Queen's jockeys who've worn the famous silk. So... Uh, I might not have them alongside me, but listen, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the Coronation Cup's a bit disappointing, but the Oaks and the Derby look really good, intriguing races. And whatever happens on a big week for the country, I think we're in for two fabulous days at Epsom. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot wait. And David, we've got the final fields in for the Kazoo Oaks. And at, at the time of recording, even money favourite Emily Upjohn on time form rating, does she deserve to be so short? In a word, I don't think she does, no. Um, you don't really want to knock a filly that comes here unbeaten, was obviously really impressive in the Musidora, but when you look at what she's achieved on the ratings compared to what some of her rivals are going to bring to the table, she is a, a fairly short price at around even money, and I can certainly see why people would be looking to take her on. Nashua is obviously a really impressive stable mate uh, when she won at Newbury, is fully entitled to go there with the moonlight as well. She was obviously impressive in winning her trial as well. And then you've obviously got the two O'Brien horse, well, three O'Brien horses in there that look to have realistic claims as well as the Algarve as well. So it looks to me a relatively deep Oaks. And I'm like I say, yeah, I don't want to knock Emily up, John. She can only do what she's done and she's done it impressively, but even money, she's not the only filly that looks to have a fair bit of potential still uh, ahead of her. GC, we recorded a video preview of the Oaks yesterday, which has got attached to one YouTube comment, which was too long, which is nice to know that the crowd are, are lapping up our, our <laughs> hard work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, do, you, do, you see, do you see any negatives around this favourite, bar the price? Uh, no, not bar the price. Um, uh, physically, uh, she's a really handsome, big, strong filly. Um, her progression seems to be rapid. Uh, she won a key trial and she won it pulling a bus by five and a half lengths. And if you're looking for clues behind the obvious facts, Frankie the Tory's been around a long time. He's not given to uh, overzealous compliments. He's used the phrase that she took his breath away. Gosden is not a man who gives out you know, extravagant compliments either. He said it would be foolhardy to compare her to 
um, the mighty enable, but that it wouldn't be foolhardy uh, to compare it to Tegrudo, who won this race under King George 67 years ago. So I can't find too many um, holes in her uh, makeup. Interesting that Fran Berry is slightly concerned about whether she'd settle early on. She was quite feisty in the first two furlongs of the Musidora, but once she got in behind and got some cover, she was fine. And based on that pedigree and the way she's come home at Sandown, uh, and at York, a mile and a half ought to be right up her alley. She's a big runner, baby. Matt, she's, she's a short price favourite. The second fight, second favourite's also at Clarehaven in Nashua, who, I don't know, I thought showed a glimpse of brilliance at Newby the last day. The question mark with her seemingly the trip. Yeah, that, that is a question mark. There's an interesting dynamic here, isn't there, with uh, with Holly Doyle. She has quite a... Quite an interesting problem on her hands here. This horse is obviously, she's quite a keen going horse, typically seems to be wanting to get on with things. Now, on her Haydock comeback run, there was a rather nice gallop set by the William Haggis trained Irresistible. And then in the listed race at Newbury last time, there was a good gallop set by the Mick Shannon trained Flash Betty. Now, don't know if there's anyone among us there that's going to, uh, that's going to highlight the common denominator with, uh, with that pair as the first. Ridden, ridden by Tom Markand, <laughs> <laughs> who, who set up a nice gallop on both occasions. Now, he's obviously been snapped up uh, at the weekend on Friday for Tranquil Lady. So he's going to uh, he's gonna have to park the pacemaker duties for a little bit, because I think Tranquil Lady's got uh, quite an interesting chance as well. But yeah, um, Nashua, uh, she, she has a tremendous um, way of going and she, she really does quicken when asked to go about a business. And uh, again, a bit like GC mentioned, Fran said on the video that, uh, you know, she, she's going to be really keen as well. And if you look at the, the pace in this race, there isn't a mass amount of pace on the, uh, on the, on the pace map, is there? There's the Algarves has kind of rabbit potential with Stablemate Thoughts of June, probably not too far behind, maybe with the Moonlight and Coeda, maybe the others that I, I sort of highlighted as being potential pace angles. But uh, Perhaps, yeah, the, perhaps the Gosden, both of them, um, are going to be at, uh, at the will of uh, something sort of going on and, and turning this to, into a bit more of a test. Eddie, it's obviously a big news angle, potential news angle, Holly Doyle riding Nashua. Is there any chance of her becoming the first female rider to win a classic? Most definitely. Yeah, I think she's got a really good chance. She's a real contrast to Emily Upjohn, who, again, will have people purring when she comes into the paddock. She's enormous, while Nashua's... Uh, much neater, I think it's fair to say. I, uh, with with Emily Upjohn, I've, I've got three worries, GC. I, I know what you say about early in the race, and I'd be very concerned about that, particularly up the hill. But Frankie's surely going to have his work cut out getting at a post. Going the entire mile and a half, she wore a red hood at York, and she was pretty busy going to post as well. And it'd be interesting to, to, to ask Cawthon, you know, the challenge of getting to post at Epsom when you've got a filly like that. And I just wonder, I don't like the price, about Emily Upjohn for sure, but also the ground with her, because do you remember Gosden after the Musadora was absolutely fuming about the ground at York, not being what he was expected on the softer side. How, how much of a concern would rain therefore be in the rain they've had and might get a little bit more today be for Emily Upjohn, I wonder. I think it'll be good ground by, by Friday. I think that, you know, um, Thursday and Friday's forecast is pretty good. Um, I have to think Gosden has a, has a major, major hand in this. And I think they are two different fillies myself. I think if you look at the split times that Nashua did at Newbury, not too many real 
mile and a half horses can dip under 11 seconds for a single furlong. She did 34.54 for the final three furlongs. And uh, I think Gosden has his doubts about Nashua staying because he said, if she does, if she does, she could be formidable. And track position could be interesting for Holly Doyle. Big challenge for everyone. Uh, but for Holly Doyle, who dropped this filly out last, last time, um, is she going to have the confidence to do the same uh, when she's bidding to become the first ever female rider to win a classic? David, obviously, we, we are guessing at this stage around the stamina for Nashua. What, what's your gut feeling? Is she going to stay the mile and a half? I think she's got enough about her to suggest she probably will. Um, I, I wouldn't be rejecting her on grounds of stamina, put it that way. We see so often with these Frankels that they just keep galloping and um, she's related to, is it uh, Luganini? He, her half-brother, he stayed a mile and a half and actually had a really good record on softish ground as well. So I certainly don't think the ground would be an issue for her. She's obviously proven on good to firm as well. And I think... The interesting thing, it's like you said uh, in the intro about her, she she had that star potential at Newbury, didn't she? She's the one that if we said that uh, there's a filly in this that's going to go and win by four or five lengths and could actually put it up to uh, the older horses um, later in the season. Some would say Emily Upjohn potentially, but I think perhaps this one as well. So um, I, I wouldn't be rejecting her on stamina grounds for I accept that... Um, she goes there with the question to actually have to prove it. Billy, we're going to move on to the Irish team with you in a second. What, what's your preference of the two Gosden fillies at the head of the market? Well, I think, Dave, there's a case to be made for both of them being a case of kind of style over substance at the moment. They were both very impressive. They both could be really good fillies. Um, but I just wonder about how deep either race that they won was. I didn't think it was a good Musidora. Emily Upjohn could do no more than win it as impressively as she did, but I don't think she beat a whole pile. And I think the same can be said for Nashua. I would echo Graham Cunningham's concerns about Nashua uh, staying the trip. I think when you when you can cover like her sectional times, when you uh, cover furlongs like that, doesn't always guarantee that you're going to get a, an extra two. So I think even looking at that Newbury race, I looked at it again last night, she came there really impressively. She quickened up well, but I don't think she was going away at the line. So I'd be concerned about her getting the trip. I think of the Gosden pair, I'd prefer Emily Upjohn, but I think there's a really strong early challenge in this race, Dave. Let's move on to that perfect segue into, into the next question. We've got the Irish 1,000 guineas as a key farm trial, clearly. Aidan's uh, two Oaks Phillies finishing, or two of his Oaks Phillies finishing second and third there. What did you make of their runs and what would your preference be from that pair? I'd have to say going into the race, I was I was expecting Tuesday would win the Irish 1,000 guineas. I thought her run at Newmarket was good. I thought she was very much the filly to beat. Uh, as we all saw, she was readily put in her place by Homeless Songs. And I think on the day, certainly coming out of the race, Concert Hall probably ran more of a, an Epsom trial, a better Epsom trial than Tuesday did. Concert Hall was the one that was finishing off her race really strongly. She met a little bit of trouble in running. And I could certainly see her turning around that form with Tuesday. However... Having watched Concert Hall at Navin, when she won her Salsible at the beginning of the year, I think that was quite a good trial, actually, the Salsible stakes. When I watched her in the Salsible, again, she made a little bit of trouble in running. She quickened up well to go to the front, but I don't think she was going away at the line either. I think a mile and a quarter might be her optimum trip. Um, GC touched on it last week about Dubawi's having a terrible record at Epsom. She is, of course, a Dubawi filly. And I think, uh, ultimately, a mile and a quarter will prove her trip. But the filly I like did run in that Salsible Stakes, and that was Tranquil Lady, who finished fourth of Joseph's. Um, I think two really interesting points. Joseph, who we all know doesn't give much away in interviews. I mean, he didn't lick that up off the stones, but um, <laughs> he said after she won the Blue Wind, 
that uh, he said that she did in the blue wind what he expected her to do at Navin. So quite clearly, she's working really well at home. Uh, she was quite well backed for that Navin run. And she just shaped to me, and he said it as well himself, that she just shaped like a filly that needed the run. She took a run last year as a two-year-old. I think she improved a good bit to win the blue wind. It mightn't have been a very strong blue wind, but I really like the way she did it. She was strong at the finish. She will get a mile and a half. They've booked Tom Marquand. Of course, Tom Marquand has already won a British Classic for Joseph. And I think at 14 to 1, I think she's a cracking each way bet in the race. And, and Billy, I, with her, could, could that be part of Joseph's plan to think, I can afford to send above the curve to France because I know I've got an Oaks filly at home? Thank you, Ed. That was going to be my next point. Um, Joseph did obviously have another really live Oaks filly in above the curve, who all of us, I think, will agree was unlucky not to win at Chester. If she'd have won at Chester, I think she'd probably had to have run at Epsom. But clearly, Joseph, I think, feels that he has a better chance of winning the Oaks with Tranquil Lady, hence why they sent above the curve to go and win a Group 1 in France at the weekend. So I, that's part of my thinking that I do think that they reckon Tranquil Lady is a better Oaks for the, uh, has a better chance in an Oaks than, than above the curve. And I think 14 to 1 is, is too big a price about her. Look at the pedigree as well, Billy. She's a half-sister to State of Rest, who, who's never stopped improving in his second, third, and fourth season. Just to clarify on that Dubawi angle, um, Dubawi's record at Epsom is pretty good overall. It's just in the classics where you'd expect him to have placed contenders and potential winners. His stock hasn't shown, but I, I, I'm in agreement with Billy on Tranquil Lady. I think if there's a, a filly who's definitely overpriced, it could be her. She, she seems to be getting good at the right time. And interestingly, on, on her pedigree, uh, she is a half-sister to State of Rest, but State of Rest is by Star Spangled Banner. State yeah. of Rest gets a mile and a quarter really well. This filly is by Australia, so you'd really mm. expect her to be able to stay the mile and a half without any trouble, and her style of racing would suggest that as well. David, we've touched upon the Cheshire Oaks there. Um, now, we have got the, the winner, Thoughts of June, the O'Brien third string in here. One or two people thinking she might be the value angle in this race at about 20 to 1. Can you make a case for her? Well, obviously, the form... Is that Jordy? Uh, that's to David. Sorry, Ed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the form was boosted, wasn't it, <laughs> in the, the precinct gallery last time. But uh, as, as Billy there said, you know, she didn't look as though um, she was the best filly in that Cheshire race. Um, I can see why people might make the angle, particularly if, if they think um, she could uh, have a tactical edge if she does go out and make the running. But um, I think the Yard do look to have stronger contenders uh, from, from the Irish guineas than, than that Cheshire run, to be honest. Ed, this one is for you. And I think we'd all be delighted to see Marcus Dragoning training Oaks winner. Now, admittedly... You would. Not, she, well, she's not with him anymore, Rogue Millennium. <laughs> she, she spent last year with him. She's, <laughs> she, she is another great star, isn't she? The syndicate, young trainer in Tom Clover. When you saw that at Lingfield, did you think Oaks potential? No, but I thought, brilliant that they're coming to the Oaks. Absolutely. But they're going to have a lot of fun this weekend, those rogues that include that rogue, <laughs> uh, Rishi Passad. And is, he is he involved? He's involved, yeah. Yeah. Absolute rogues gallery they are. And they're all flying over from all sorts of places to come and watch her. They're going to have a great time. They are going to have a great... I would love to see her run well. She's a gorgeous filly. And they're going to have a great time, win, lose or draw, which is what it's all about. And adds a really good element for ITV. And I wish them the, the very best of luck. Do I think she'll win? Probably not. Matt, we haven't touched upon With the Moonlight, Godolphin's... Uh, main Oaks contender. She's about a 10 to 1 chance. Can you make a case for her? 
Um, I don't like it personally, Dave. Um, just well, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That we do want strong well, opinion. I'm not going to sugarcoat the case, Dave. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really rate uh, the pretty polyform. To be honest, I thought it was a, a fairly uh, ropey listed race. Just at that time, all of Applebee's were were absolutely flying, weren't they? And and when you can give William Buick. A, a sort of easy lead when he's allowed to dictate and then kick on two furlongs out in the rolling mile there was only ever going to be um one outcome for him now again she's another one she's by frankel so kind of immediately think that uh, she'd want um mile and a half trip absolutely fine the dam was very quick though so i'd personally have uh have a few doubts certainly if it's uh, on the easy side of good GBC just ordering a coffee there. I'm very good at sound <laughs> language now. Yeah. That's exactly I got, what. That's I, exactly what I was doing, Dave. Yes. I, I got the same hand just yesterday. I recognised it. So I'm going to go across the celebrity squares now. Ed Chamberlain, the best bet in the Casuals. I think this is so difficult. I think there's so much guesswork involved. There's so little two-year-old form to go on, Audi. So many of these fillies will take giant strides forward. So I think it, it could well throw up an upset so i'm going to back two at prices i wasn't going to back her before i just heard billy's case but i am now i think tranquil lady that was very compelling billy i think i'll back her and at 25 to 1 with skybed i think i'll go with moon de vega to take a giant step forward for rafe if you watch that check strokes again which i think is the one race you can say that was a good race with what uh, above the curve has gone and done and you watch her where she was barged out of it as they they turned for home and then she ran on quite eye-catching i think and Rafe knows exactly what he's doing with this race. So I think she could be one to take a big stride forward and at 25 to one in a race where, as I say, I think guesswork's involved. I'm going to take her and Tranquil Lady with my saver. Thanks to Billy. David, two darts for red there. What's your bet in the Kazoo Oaks? Yeah, there's so many of these I'm on the fence about, and that's what makes it a really compelling race because I'm really not sure what's going to happen, but if you, you're asking me for a selection... Get off the fence, David. Come on. <laughs> I am going to go back to Nashua just in the hope that she can produce that flash of brilliance that we saw over a mile and a quarter, over a mile and a half. And if she does, then she could be, if not the next enable, you know, the, the Togruda or the, the type that could go on and really be classy against older horses later in the season. There's no sign of GC's beverage yet, so I'm going to head to him for his Kazoo Oaks play. Oh, it's landed. Thank goodness for that, <laughs> Yeah. I must thank one of Britain's brightest young racing broadcasters, Nick Lightfoot, for bringing me that. Join me uh, in the Racing TV uh, Nerve Centre. I just want to, I want to uh, put in a quick line on Tuesday. We haven't really discussed her. Um, and she's another of the uh, Coolmore contingent. Her big sister Minding won this. She's no Minding. Uh, I'm not convinced she's a, a, a thorough stayer. So uh, I'm going to pass on her. Uh, I think there is some star quality about the Gosden pair. I really do. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how they go. But I, I do think Tranquil Lady uh, could, be the, could be the potentially uh, overpriced one. So uh, the one word I don't want to hear this weekend, uh, Ed, you're going to back me up on this, is deputation. <laughs> oh, no, around the bend. <laughs> A deputation-free zone is the everybody's wish for the, the two days of the Kazoo Derby Festival. Um, Matt, Oaks fancy? 
Yeah, well, um, Dubawi's taken a bit of a kicking so far in the pod, so I'm going to stand by the great sire. He, he did come closest, didn't he, in the in the Oaks? He had a second with Wild Illusion just a couple of years ago. And I thought the combination of Dubawi with the Aidan O'Brien factor was a fascinating uh, element to this race, with Concert Hall is going to be my selection. Um, loads and loads of Group 1 conditioning. That's just what he does, Aidan. He's just fantastic. Look at the horses that he's been beaten in the Moy Glare Stakes as a two-year-old over the years. Tapestry, Found, Qualified. Hydrangea, Rhododendron, Hermosa, Mother Earth, Snowfall, all, the list is just goes on and on and on, all beaten in the Moigla, all went on to win big Group 1 races, and I thought Concert Hall's comeback win, where she had shame on you tranquil lady fans, she stuffed yeah. her four and a half lengths, she went on to uh, get more Group 1 conditioning under her belt when uh, third behind what looks like one of the best three-year-old milers we've got this season in Homeless Songs, staying on without being necessarily beaten up when her chance was uh, was gone um yeah good draw as well no one's touched on the draw i thought uh, concert hall from stall 10 that should be really get a really handy in behind the leaders with, with coolmore oh, imagine the cunningham file next week if jabawi oh. wins the classic no no no, 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 no. give myself a get out as always but, <laughs> but, but moving swiftly on it is it, 48 hours not enough time to declare your jockeys we're, we're two days from the oaks and we still don't know whether Ryan Moore will ride Concert Hall Tuesday, um, Thoughts of June, the bloody Algarve. I, I have no clue which one he's going to go for. It's not uh, quite 48 hours, though, is it, GC? It's obviously a 4.30 kickoff, so they've... they've... <laughs> you know what I mean, though? It's, it's, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the motivation for it? Yeah, do it they genuinely strange. not know, or, or do they want to avoid the awkwardness of, of one getting injured and then the having to, sh- to shuffle the jockey pack? I assume it's the latter. Maybe that's why Frankie rides Pisbedeely, just couldn't be bothered to wait around to find out what his derby ride was until Friday <laughs> afternoon. Um, Billy, there's going to be a big spoiler alert here. I think you've you've shown your hand as far as the Oaks goes. I don't think it's going to come as a massive surprise to anybody, Dave, that a uh, tranquil lady, I've, I've nailed my colours to her mast, yeah. Right, Debbie, we're going to move on to the Dalbury. What about you, Audie? Come on. I hope Nashua wins because I think she's the one with the potential for real brilliance in the race. But I'm not convinced. I'm not. I think she might be a ten furlong filly, and I get the gut feeling Holly Doyle and John Gosden both think she might be a ten furlong filly as well. So I'll go unnamed Fav. Ed. That's my usual routine when it comes to the, the classic action. Unnamed Fav. But I, I, I do think if she. I think John and Thady, and I am good mates with Thady. I think they will win the the Oaks with one of the two at the head of the market. Debbie, we've got the Dalbury Coronation Cup. I don't know who Dalbury are. If they're a, if they're a brewer, I'll raise a glass of Dalbury to them for the... No, for, no, for I can minutes. fill you in. Oh, who are the GC? Is it a blue chip sponsor? Well, hello to the good people at Dalbury. <laughs> they are an exciting new thoroughbred operation created with the mantra, Great British Thoroughbreds, Q and Irish 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, <laughs> it was announced as the new sponsor for next month, Group 1 Coronation Cup last month. It is the vision and owner... The vision of owner and breeder Simon Davis, the CEO of the global telecommunications firm Spectre Group UK. The Operation Stallion roster standing at Chapel Study in Worcestershire includes Planter, sire of 2021 champion Steyr Trushan. So seriously, uh, new sponsors are always welcome. Without and uh, although it's a small field, the Coronation Cup uh, looks a very, sorry, the Dalbury Coronation Cup looks a very uh, interesting race. Visit sportinglife.com for more analysis, tips, opinion and insight. David, you see Pile Drive was a two-to-one fab to go back-to-back in the Epsom Group 1. What, what's, your, what's your first instinct when it comes to this race? 
it doesn't sound like a strong one, does it? So, you know, uh, we don't, don't want to knock Pile Driver, who uh, has been a real great servant to connections over the last couple of years and also, you know, been part of some uh, great stories as well. And in fairness, he ran a real cracker, didn't he, out in Dubai uh, in the Shima Classic, uh, beaten less than a length, didn't get the clearest of runs and he's entitled to come here and try and repeat his victory in the race last year, which again, that that wasn't probably uh, all that strong. And, you know, he's, like I say, he's head of the time form ratings. He's got high definition and who come to beat potentially uh, Monobo stepping up in trip uh, a little bit to find, but has the potential. Uh, it just isn't a good group one, is it? It's not. Um, GC, we were expecting to see Adayar in here. Unfortunately, he's met a setback and misses this. And while he last got, Manobo was the one that Godolphin won. What, what do you make of him? Yeah, I have a question for, for all of ye. And uh, when is the last time uh, that a stable sent their fourth best mile and a half colt for a Group One race and it was favourite? Because Godolphin have Adayar, Hurricane Lane and that absolute hound, Yabia, who are all rated appreciably higher than Minobo at the moment. And yet Minobo is favourite. He's five out of six. Uh, he looked really good in France last autumn. He looked even better over a mile six at Maidan first time out. But you have to flag this up. When he went up to two miles, uh, beaten by the Japanese horse, Stay Foolish, in the Dubai Gold Cup on Dubai World Cup night, he pulled like a Mustang. He, he wasn't just free. He was fiery really fiery now the theory is that he'll settle better in a shorter distance but it's a small field and you're running up that hill and any horse who pulls running up that hill is a generally a pretty high, heavy price to pay uh, coming down it so that's my knock uh, on uh, Manobo. it's not the fact that he's the fourth best uh, uh, mile and a half horse in his yard it's the fact that last time out um, uh, and made down in march he was way too fiery for his own good. All the ability is there, but my question is, is he just getting a little too aggressive for his own good? Billy, talk about horses being called names. High definition has had one or two along the way. Remarkably, probably is Aidan O'Brien's best older mile and a half horse this season. Better for Broom me wants last... a word. Well, Broom wants to, yeah, I'll allow Broom into that conversation. But Billy, was, was there enough last time? It seemed to be a step back towards the right direction for high definition. It was certainly a much better effort, Dave. Um, and I think the change in tactics has a lot to do with that. Ryan Moore was quite aggressive on him, but maybe that was because they kept him to a mile and a quarter. They've been trying to, um, they've been trying to make him into a mile and a quarter horse. I assume for commercial purposes, the purposes this year, uh, he's not a mile and a quarter horse. He could step up to win a mile and a half race. Look at on the balance of his farm, he's probably not really a genuine Group One horse. But if he's going to win a Group One, then this is his, going to be his best chance of doing it. Um, it looks like it's going to be a well-run race. You have two or three in the in the race that like to go forward. They'll make it a test of stamina. It should suit him. Um, would I be surprised if he won it? Yes, but or sorry, no, I wouldn't be surprised if he won it. But he won't be carrying my money. Matt Billy touched upon this pace angle. It's a small field, but I don't think they're going to hang around. This is going to set up perfectly for this long travelling Hookham, isn't it? He's, uh, he's a, you're a fan of Hooker, aren't you, Dave? He's he ran better an... in Dubai than the finishing position suggests because he travelled lovely through the race and it just all happened inside him. It was pitched wide into the home straight and he, he never got a chance. It's a big day for Owen Burrows. This could, this could be a red letter day in his career. Again, it's his, it's his big chance, isn't it? Yeah, and Hookham so far, 
so so much kind of a nearly horse, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, this uh, this should play to his strengths. Obviously, you've got living legend in there as well, who could well be towards the four. A natural kind of progression for him. They've supplemented him after his wins. Kempton, Newcastle, Newmarket, beating the aforementioned. Uh, well, Breeders' Cup hero, should we call him GC, <laughs> rather than what you refer to him as Yibir. Uh, he beat him. He beat him really well. And obviously, the, the the track there at Newmarket played to his strength. So whether he can translate that across to to this course is another matter. But uh, yeah, Mark and Charlie Johnson and uh, Joe Fanning, plenty of success over the years at over a mile and a half at Epsom. It's, if you do lose Johnny Mertz and Steve Cawthon to the Royal Procession, who are you, me and Ben Linthorpe, going to be interviewing on ITV after the Coronation Cup? <laughs> this is when we'll probably play the Leicester Piggott uh, tribute piece we've done for the weekend because it's, it's, it's not, as the guys have described, it's not the greatest Coronation Cup. And I, I don't disagree with you, Audie, with the negatives against all of them. I totally get the Manobo pulling angle. And, and didn't, didn't um, Charlie take him to Epsom for the gallop with the the Derby horses and they kicked him into touch. Not that you can read too much into that. Pile driver is pile driver. And I think by process of elimination, it might be Owen Burrows and Angus Gold. Audie, I think I agree with you, but I think it's a, a difficult race to have a strong opinion on. The Kazoo Derby isn't. And we're going to get some strong opinions on that now. And last weekend, you were almost embarrassingly pleading with Godolphin to supplement Nation's Pride for the... It wasn't embarrassing, Audie. It was, it was... Well, it you're was pleased... A, it was a, it was, it was a come a, and get me plea please. for common sense to prevail. That was <laughs> well, your pleas landed. They landed with Shane Mohammed <laughs> and he, he shook, he opened the purse strings and, and paid the money. Go on, give us a case as to why Nations Pride is going to win the derby now we know he's winning. Well, firstly, you're right, it's a really good race. It's set up beautifully because it's got all the elements you'd want really in a derby. You've got the powerhouses going head to head, strengthened by Nations Pride, as you say. Then you've got Frankie on the favourite. Uh, sorry, Frankie with a good chance on Pease Badil, which is great. You've got a strong favourite with a great story, not just Michael Stout, but Richard Kingscote, great. And then you've got yeah. the underdogs and, and um, horses at big prices of interest as well. So you've got the lot. Nation's Pride will win because I was, I was so impressed with him that day in the Newmarket Stakes. And, and you watch the race back and he, he, the further they go, the better he goes. And then he almost ends up on the high street as well. So I think stamina is a big tick. I told you last week what Kieran Fallon had to say a week or so ago. Uh, which was very, very positive, bordering on, on bullish about the horse. And the vibes are very, very strong about him. And I love his galloping style. I'm not worried about his stamina. And I think in a race where there could be plenty of gallopers, I think it's fair to say, in this year's derby, I think he could be the one with that crucial turn of foot that I think you need to win a derby. So I'm, I'm all in on Nation's Pride and have been for some time. David, one who's definitely got that change of gear. We saw at York. Um, Desert Crown, how, how does he look in the, the time for ratings and what do you make about him at the head of the Kazoo Derby market? Yeah, it's, it's pretty predictable and it's what usually happens. If we don't have the Guineas winner in the Derby, then the Dante winner tends to be top. And, Boring. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and that's what we've got here. And uh, it's just a horse that is very difficult to pick. Isn't he? Um, Obviously, two from two took a massive step forward to win the Dante, despite uh, the market vibes for him that day. They weren't screaming him, were they? He was sort of pretty easy to back, ended up going off at seven to two. And, um, you know, it's just a case of whether he can take that next step forward. It's a very early stage of his career, but um, everything seemed to come pretty smoothly to him, didn't this, at York? And uh, it was a 
decent enough uh, time figure without being uh, knocking your eyes out. But, uh, you know, he goes there with the best form as it is. He's open to at least as much improvement as any. He's trained by a man who's just as good as any in terms of readying a derby winner. And rather like when we were talking about Emily Upjohn for the Oaks, just very difficult to pick holes in him bar what um, the bookmakers have got next to his name, unfortunately. Mm. JC, if we are looking at holes, there are only two that people have pointed to. It's the it's not copper bottom stamina on the dam side of the pedigree. And he went right off the bridle slightly in the finish at York. Would either have an alarm bell for you? I, I don't think they would, uh, uh, actually, Dave. No, it was, it was marginal um, uh, at York. He just edged his way to the right as he was putting a, a, a nice red ribbon around that performance. Uh, and I, I think he'll stay fine. Um, nearly all of Nathaniel's um, good stock stay very well. Um, so I, I think the trip could be a plus for him. And, and tactically, it's, it's, it's absolutely riveting this race from the point of view that uh, Aiden has the, the copper-bottomed Galileos who hardly ever fail for lack of stamina. So changing of the guard, Galileo is going to roll forward. Star of India, Galileo isn't going to be too far behind. Stone Age, who's led um, this season, isn't going to be too far away. Uh, and, and those horses helping make it a really good test of stamina, that could really give us a very good idea of, of how good Desert Crown might be. Interesting for King's Cup, enormous day, by far the biggest day of his career uh, on Desert Crown. That horse will be ridden midfield or further back. But if he's as good as he looked uh, at York and as good as many people seem to think he is before uh, York when he was very well back for the Derby. Um, then it sets up beautifully for him to come gliding through uh, and, and get in the mix against the, the proven stayers. Matt, you put him up as an anti-post value bet. Are you telling your legions of followers to, yeah. to lay a bit off or are you saying stay fresh? Press up, press up. <laughs> Not quite the press up. Not quite the press up um, at the current prices. I mean, yeah, the, the price has very much disappeared. I'd probably personally come to this race now afresh and and and, and look at it um, without the favourite. Um, interesting one. I'm sort of having a, a a deep dive through some of this. When you actually look at the prices of this, he's, he's thirteen to eight. So on the day, you're going to have some of the derived markets are going to throw up the likes of, like I said, without the favourite, but also. He, you're going to get you're going to get a price about him to win by a distance, aren't you? And and you know over two and a half, over three lengths. Now, if that's the case, I'm starting to wonder if, and I don't mean to be just banging the Johnson drum here, but whether Royal Patronage might come into my thinking um, without the favourite, given that I thought he ran a fairly decent race. He was beaten three and a quarter lengths um, in the Dante at York, and and that was definitely definitely a step up on what he showed in in uh, the guineas at newmarket and you can see the the narrative with his sauce you can sort of see how it's played out they got lured into running in the guineas uh, because he beat caribus last year as a two-year-old but i think he's absolutely certain to improve for uh, a step up to a mile and a half um he was like i say he was only beaten uh, just over three lengths um the, his dam won over a mile and a half in france he's from that family of shalapur and sharastani so there's there's classic winners in there. And I think when you look at what he did last year, he was probably exceeding expectations, winning as he did group threes over seven furlongs. And obviously, like I said, winning over a mile from Caribus in the group two. So yeah, he he's one that 
just at a wild price that people have suddenly written off after being beaten in the Guineas and beaten in the Dante. But he's a Johnson horse that's just getting his act together, I think, as a middle distance horse. And he could be sitting on something uh, much better than what we've uh, seen already. Workforce is the only horse to be beaten in the Dante to go on and win the Derby. And the bit came through his mouth at York. So he's got... He's not uh, a workforce, is he? And he's, you know, he's certainly not a workforce. But he's a big price, so... What price did you tip up Desert Crown at? 25 Lovely job. Wow. The legions, oh, the legions have included. Millions, Audi. Millions. Were you laser a bit of 12s? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Consider I, I think, eight. I'll take 10s. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you'll go off at a, a two to one or possibly even slightly bigger desert crown myself. I think uh, so. I, Stout I will get the jitters. He gets the yeah. jitters about this horse, I think, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah. And the but power, it's, it's like not, you said. The... It's the, it's the combination of various O'Brien horses with a strong chances, the, the Frankie factor with Pitts Padilla, et cetera, and, and all the value merchants centering around other big priced horses. Uh, I, I have to think he's going to drift from 13 to 8, yeah. 7 to 4. And the names, GC, I could see Nation's Pride might be back with a name. Changing of the guard will definitely be back to the weekend. If you fancy sure, changing yeah. the guard, take the price now. Well, here he's actually been back as we speak. He's a, a sea of blue on odd checker for changing the guard. So here we go, Billy. Let's start with the... The Bally Doyle team. Um, we had, he, Stone Age was briefly the Derby favourite for about 72 hours, wasn't he, on the back of his, his winning the, the artist formerly known as the Devin Stone trial. How big a player is he? He's a big player, Dave, uh, but I think you touched on it there. He was briefly favourite. I think it's a much better race now than it looked at the time when Stone Age was favourite. Um, since then, Desert Crown has emerged. Nation's Pride obviously has thrown his hat into the ring in the last couple of days. So it's a much stronger race. It's a better race than it looked then. But the big elephant in the room with Stone Age is Luxembourg. I mean, we've touched on it before. Uh, Luxembourg was quite clearly the Ballydale number one Derby Hope all, all year long. Uh, he was their best bet. And by default, it is now Stone Age. Um, now, having said that, I can see him running really well. I think it's very hard to see him finishing outside the first three. He's got a great chance. But the fact that he got beaten five times as a two-year-old, I keep coming back to it. It's just not like an O'Brien horse, you know, not like an O'Brien classic winner. It doesn't really happen with them. You know, okay, if he was running in good races. He wasn't beaten far in some of them. But I just think he might lack that little bit of star quality, which perhaps a Desert Crown or something like that might have. So I could see him running really well. I think he's a he's a great each-way shout, but he's not really an each-way price at four to one. So um, he's the he's the Ballydale the best of the Bally Doyle, like uh, as far as I can see. Changing at the guard has come in for support. And you can see why he's the one horse in the race that's guaranteed to stay. We know he'll get a mile and a half. He'll probably get a mile and six when it comes to it. Uh, but again, I just think that there's going to be classier horses in the race than him. Again, he got beaten three times last year. He got beaten three maidens last year. Um, he has improved. He has improved for the step up and trip. But I'd be very surprised if there wasn't something good enough to pick him off in the last, uh, in the last quarter of a mile. And then you've got Star of India, who is one that we really don't know enough that about yet. Um, he's the kind of dark horse of the Belly Dial trio. He's two from three. They ran him in the Craven. I think that was kind of testing the waters early on in the year. Uh, it clearly was too sharp for a test for him. But you'd have to like the way he won at Chester. It probably wasn't a great trial, but you'd have to like the way he did it. Put his head down, ran to the line. I could see him improving for the step up to a mile and a half. And I wouldn't put anybody off him at 20 to one. I think he's he's a bit of each way value. But um, yeah, Stone Age is the best of them, but he's they're all beatable in my opinion. Can I just pick up on that on that um, two-year-old uh, angle for Stone Age uh, and for changing the guard, etc.? He was beaten in three mains. I, I, I'm like Billy as well. It, it, it nags away. It's like a, someone just chipping away that, you know, why didn't they win? But Snowfall, 
uh, ended her two-year-old season. She ran seven times. She was eyeballs out to win her maiden. She got chinned in the debutante. She got chinned in the Moigler. She got chinned in the Phillies mile. She came to Epsom. Mother Earth. Yeah, it's happened yeah, loads she, with the Phillies. Yeah. Just doesn't she happen came, with the Colts. Yeah, she came to Epsom with the Oaks by 16 lengths. So um, that, to, to quote a, a line from um, uh, uh, my famous Cunningham file from this week, and, and borrowing, it's not Stone Age, it's Stone Roses, who said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Uh, and where he's at now is a very different place than he was as a juvenile. Ed, I'll return to Billy on this subject afterwards, but um, how fitting it would be in the week that we sadly lost Lester Piggott, the derby run in his memory on Saturday, if the race was won by the, the big-name jockey switcheroo, Frankie Dottori switching to Pisbe Deal, booked very early for the Ballysax winner, and a horse who lots of the shrewdies, lots of the shrewdies with Pisbe Deal. Can you make a case for him? And yet, David, and yet, I watched your <laughs> YouTube show in the studio. Did you leave you a comment that. at the bottom of it? Because <laughs> too, long. <laughs> too long. Too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too long. Yeah. And Fran Berry, Fran Berry, lovely fella, useless golfer, very good judge, said that Pease Badil was being underrated. Where did you get that from? I mean, the hype around this horse. I keep being told how well this horse is working. You've had the jockey switcheroo with Frankie Dettori going on the horse, so he's going to be backed inevitably. He's, he's an eight-to-one chance uh, already. Buckaroo has let the form down, but I don't. I, I wouldn't say he's underrated. I think there's a real buzz around this horse, and I think he's probably too short a price, if anything, for me. Um, and I think horses like um, Westover from the from the Derby trial at Sandown are the horses that are underrated. I, I wouldn't say Peace Bedil is underrated, uh, and yeah, he's 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 got a chance, but the, the hype is in full swing with him for me. Donica O'Brien, twenty-three year old. Um... 23. 23. I don't know what I was doing at 23. Probably working at BBC CFAX. Kids ask your dad. It's That's long gone. But um, it's obviously... Those cricket scores, Audie. You remember waiting oh. for page eight? To football. Get my, oh. football. I used to manually type in the rugby league scores on a Sunday as well, listening to Radio Leeds. They were the magic days. But uh, Billy, let's return to business of a deal. Um, what, what do you think? How, the argument goes, if he was trained by Aidan O'Brien, he'd be second favourite. Do you think there's any substance to that? No. Um, perhaps, perhaps no, there is. Yeah, but opinion, Jeffrey. I think it's going to be a, a good weekend for the lads, but not the regular lads, but the young lads, as we'll call them. I think Joseph has a great chance in the Oaks, and I think Pisbadil has a great chance in the Derby. Uh, I'm, I'm really sweet on this horse. I think he takes a lot of the right boxes. Um, he won a maiden in Killarney last year. Um, as we all know, Wings of Eagles and Anthony Van Dyke are both both one two old maidens in Killarney. Um, he's following a, a tried and trusted Derby route, this horse. Uh, Donica has obviously picked up plenty of pointers from his dad. Um, GC touched on it last week when we were talking about Stone Age, the fact that you have to go back a long way to find the last winner of the, the what used to be the Dernstone Derby trial to go on and win the Epsom Derby. But you don't have to go back that far to find the last winner of a Bally Sax because Harzand in 2016 went from the Bally Sax to win the Epsom Derby. That's what Pitts Badil has done. He's two from three. He really should be unbeaten, Dave. Uh, if you look back at the, the race he finished second in last year, I think he was very unlucky not to win that. And I think he's a horse that we just haven't seen. We're nowhere near his ceiling yet. Um, I think he's he's still a work in progress, this horse. Um, I love the way he battled back at Leperson the last day, but I think there's loads of potential in this horse. I think there's a lot more to come from him. Quite like his sire, Ulysses, I wouldn't be surprised if he turned out to be an even better four-year-old. Um, I think it's 
Uh, my one concern would be that Epsom just comes a little bit early in, in his development. It, it just might be a step too far, but I think he has the class for it. And I think at his current odds, uh, 8, 10 to 1, if you can get it in a place still, um, yeah, I think he's a bet at that price. And I, I'm certainly going to be with him on, on, Sunday, on Saturday. David, Dave, can I pick up on that? Sorry. Uh, Billy makes a really, really solid case for that horse, Pittsburgh and it's all based on the horse. But loads and loads of people are, are going to get seduced by the what many citizens are calling the Frankie parachute angle, uh, being parachuted in. I've got four names for you, folks. Um, Hazapur, uh, now amazing one plus, running round off a rating of 78 uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, Circus Maximus, who was a right good horse, but couldn't stay a mile and a half. Uh, English King, who can hardly get out of his way in Australia nowadays, was really well fancied for Frankie in Serpentine's Derby. And then he jumped on, what did he John jump Leaper. on last year, Frankie? John Leeper, who I think is naught from six since. So um, by all means, get keen on Pittsburgh Hill. There's lots and lots to like about him. But the Frankie parachute angle, um, it hasn't been going too well in recent years. Sporting Life, the home of the expert racing tipsters, including Matt Brocklebank's Value Bet, Rory DeLaghi and Dave Massey's Punting Pointers, Fran Berry's Irish Focus, and Simon Holt's TV Preview. David, uh, Ed touched upon Westover. We've got Nahani, who won the Epsom trial. But both hard-fought winners of their trials, but trial winners nonetheless. Can, can you see, and the derby, let's be fair, in recent years has got a tradition of big price winners. Is there anything at the bigger prices you can see running a big race? It's not really, no. I, I mean, uh, I can sort of see why these horses are, are running in the race. You know, it's not hard to imagine that Westover is, you know, the best middle distance cult that Rafe Beckett's had for three or four years. So you can see why he'd want to run him having won a trial that obviously threw up the winner last year. But it's still a big step up for for him to, to come and win a derby, I think. Um, and sort of, I know a lot of people are getting quite excited about uh, Eden as well after the way that he um, ran in the guineas. But uh, I just think uh, looking at him as well, sort of massive stamina doubts. And I think, you know, connections, you can see why they think we'll have a go because it's the derby. But surely he should be running in the French derby. Uh, you know, mile and a quarter over there suit him much, much better. And perhaps if the owner hadn't won the race a couple of years ago with Mishrif already, you know, they'd probably be going that route anyway. So, no, I, I think it's it's pretty boring, but I'd be surprised if it's not one of the first three or four in the betting winning this year's race. GC, in terms of Aiden, the, the, the old adage, fourth in the Guinness, first in the Derby. I mean, Aiden, apologies. Eden, one of the first things you're told as you get into the great game, fourth in the Guinness, first in the Derby. Yes, which is all very well. It's a lovely old uh, saying, a lovely old cliche. But when you have to go back to 1991 <laughs> for the last example of it happening with Generous, who was a right good derby winner, then it, it doesn't hold a lot of water. Um, I, I, I want to put in, it's not a massive price, but he's a, certainly a backable each way price. I think changing of the guard has much more than a, a topical name um, going for him in this Platinum Jubilee year. Yes, he was naught from three. I think they were all maidens he was beaten in uh, as a two-year-old, but he bolted up in his Dundalk maiden. And although it was a very small field for the Chester Vars, he recorded a pretty good time. And he showed that combination of, of, of speed, athleticism, uh, and, and genuine stamina that 
that makes me think he's just a very, very different horse. On the numbers, he's time form 115, Stone Age is 118p, Desert Crown, I think, is 121p. He's a bit behind, but he's not miles behind, and he's going to give himself every chance because he's going to be right on the pointy end from the start. He's probably going to be the horse who sets the race up for a, for a better horse and, and maybe fades into second, third, or fourth. But um, tactically, it's going to be very interesting to see whether uh, other jockeys lay off him because if they do, um, he'll run a belter. Mark, before mention, we should mention changing of the guard from that Chester race. The visual impression was that he very much had the run of things there, but uh, time figure wise, it was bang up to the form figure. And I think um, his time figure is the highest actually in the race. So it wasn't merely a case of him just sort of dictating and quickening away at, at Chester by any means. We, we, we need to touch, go from that, David, I think, um, to he beat a very well fancied Godolphin horse, New London. Godolphin, of course, have nation's pride. This walk of stars is, is polarizing, isn't he? I think a lot of people, and I certainly do agree that he's got a tremendous natural ability. I really believe that. But he's, by Dubar, we, he hung when he got the job done at Newbury first time this season, and he wandered all over the shop at Lingfield. And, and when Charlie Appleby describes a Derby contender as still a big playboy still, um, the Derby is not a playground for playboys, is it? It used to be when when George Hamilton and Roger Moore were there with Eric Thompson in the eighties, but but not, but not on the track. Matt, you I'll can't win continue... a derby having been beaten in a trial at Lingfield anyway, either. Can <laughs> <laughs> with a great big is the, is the fact that Charlie Appleby said Matt that Nations Pride was his best chance of winning the derby at the Kazoo Breakfast Morning. The fact that they've supplemented him are, are these negatives about Walk of Stars' chance as well as what we saw on that final furlong at Lingfield. Yeah, it doesn't get much more negative, Dave, does it, than the 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 you know the the mouthpiece of Godolphin saying it himself. But we've been here before; they get it wrong, the market gets it wrong, um, the the jockeys got it a little bit wrong last year as well, didn't they? Yep. Um, yep. I, I, I'd make one or two little excuses for Walk of Stars. They're only little, um, but because he's such a big price, I suppose you can sort of start to make excuses. He is gawky, isn't he? Um, you can see that, look at that both ways. You can say that he's going to have to have grown up an awful lot in a short space of time, or you could sort of say that there's there's a heck of a lot still to come and he's already showing um, a good level of form. You watch the race back at Lingfield. I watched it in really as slow as I possibly could this morning a few times. And Ryan Moore's whip, or the, the pro cush, should I say, uh, does come very, Convince very close that. to Walk of Stars' nose at least twice just before he shies away to the right. And then obviously he ducks again to the right um, when, the, when the two horses come together at the line. So he's obviously got a bit of growing up to do and a bit of bit of learning. And they did say that, um, but we saw it with Adair last year. It, it, the, the similarities are, are fairly remarkable, having uh, one second time out at Nottingham um, as, as a two-year-old. So I wouldn't be mad keen to write him off. And on top of all of that, I would top it by saying that um, again, it's been touched upon, but you've got a lot of what looked like, and uh, I mean, I disagree with Ed, who said this looks like it's going to be like a real sluggers um, derby. There's a lot of a lot of ten furlong horses in here, just nice ten furlong horses like Aiden, uh, Nations Pride, Pitts Bedale, Westover, Sunny Liston, Masakela. They're all they're all doubtful stayers in my book, and this is going to be um, ridden, you know, changing of the guards, Star of India, the the, the other. Ballet oil as well, Nahani. Um, you're going to want a horse that's going to be staying on um, uh, Epsom, and I think uh, the the Walk of Stars is definitely ticks the right box on on stamina grounds and soft ground as well. 
the difference between um, a Dea and um, Walk of Stars is that a Dea is by Frankel and Walk of Stars is by Barwi. Now, Galileo, <laughs> Galileo's side, five Derby winners and nine others who finished placed. And Dubawi, who's been grinding away uh, with top quality mares for well over a decade, still hasn't had a horse placed in the Derby. And that's a terrible job by him. <laughs> I'll just come to touch of the face grinding away for Dubawi's stallion career as well. But we're, we're, gonna, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go around the boxes. Ed, Johnny Murta, Steve Cawthon, Jason Weaver, they're not around, they're still on the Royal Parade. Who are me, you and Ben Lynn for interviewing on ITV after the Kazoo Derby? Charlie Appleby, uh winning back-to-back derbies, Nations Pride with Westover getting to interview Rafe as well after he's chased him home. But Nation's Pride wins the derby, David. Nation's Pride, a vote for Nation's Pride. GC? Uh, I would, sentimentally, I would love Sir Stout um, to raise his bat for 50 years as a trainer with a sixth derby. I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think he, he could easily do that. But from a value point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm taking two of the Galileos in the first derby since Galileo passed away. Uh, I'm going to go for Stone Age and changing of the guard. And I'm getting a bit keener uh, as we get near the race on, on changing the guard. Uh, it's not just a, uh, an appropriate name for this year. I, I think he's one of those horses who, once the race is run, you'll say, ah, yes, he's not the 2021 C of the G. He's a different horse altogether now. David. Yeah, I quite like uh, the idea of Desert Crown drifting a bit and two to one. I, I do like the idea of getting involved there. I think it's the makeup of the race looks ideal for him. I could easily see Kingscote being able to just bring him steadily to the outside early in the straight, just get him rolling and see him just coming down the outside and winning quite comfortably. So desert crown for me. Matt, your legions are already on the fab. What are you telling them to do now? That's it. I fear deep down, Dave, I've been waffling for 20 minutes because in the core, very core of me, I can't see defeat for Desert Crown, and that's what I'm hoping for. So, yeah, Changing of the Guard's the one I fear most. I thought maybe he might end up going off second favourite this weekend, and then, like I say, I might have a couple of shillings each way without the favourite on Royal Patronage after his second to the favourite at York. Billy, I'm coming to you last, again, because you showed your hand very early in the, the general preview. You, you showed your hand early, but your case was a convincing one. Yeah, well, look, I wouldn't be all that. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Desert Crown proves too good for them. But I'm going to side with Pitts Bedil. I think Ed Chamberlain will have a, a lovely time interviewing Frankie Dettori after he wins another derby. <laughs> <laughs> Live on ITV. What a weekend we've got! And Dave Ord, I've bought Nations Pride. Ed, you, you oh, I, I've, ju- I've jumped on the bandwagon, so he'll be a non- he'll be a non-stay in seventh, and he'll, he'll probably get in the way of Desert Crown as he goes back through the field. Who I also think is not quite as strong as Matt, but I, I think he's the one with the star quality in the race, and I would love to see him win. For and Johnny, Johnny Murch is very keen on Desert Crown as well, isn't he? I sense he is. I think he likes the speed, doesn't well, that's he? A, that's that's a kiss of death if ever I heard it. <laughs> 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 not ahead of our not ahead of our weekend column, please. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> but brilliant. So thanks to Ed. Don't forget to follow the action live on ITV if you can't get to Epsom yourself. Ed fronting that both Friday and Saturday. Thanks to GC, to David, to Billy, and to Matt. What a weekend we've got to look forward to. And we'll be back next week reviewing the action of the heroes and what happened on the turf at Epsom. Visit sportinglife.com to watch video replays of every UK and Irish race. Get the quickest live results and follow your favourite horses with our My Stable Tracker. All for free.